Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutritionist and an exercise physiologist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild and LiftForHope.org. Right on. Well, Fortress isn't with us this week, but um, we're going to mostly talk about Phil's meat. Uh, and in the topic of the day, it'll be a spinoff of that about timing uh, a peak before competition. Uh, having said that, um, I did run into a couple of cool little news bits here. Um, Strength and Muscle Sport News. As I panned through my phone, one of them I thought was very interesting was, uh, and I can't find it in front of me, but um, I don't know if you heard about this, Phil, but there's been a monster um, progression in the cure for baldness. <laughs> I thought, oh, oh, really? Since probably half of our listeners are bald. Uh, yeah. You know what? The truth is I was joking uh, over at school. I, I, I don't want it. I want to stay bald. But uh, apparently the way that they were – something with hair transplants. Normally, you know, it's just rearranging your hair follicles. But they can actually coax some of the cells around the follicles to uh, grow hair now. It's sort of the, the individual hair shafts are thin, I guess. But they were yeah. growing them in the dish wrong. Uh, trying to grow them flat. Apparently, if they somehow hang them in a three-dimensional way, they can actually get new hair growth. So, not as they're rearranging what you've got, apparently they would they would um, regrow your hair. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of interesting because I've got a picture from the last um, NSCA conference that I attended, and the entire it was just so funny. I had to take a picture. The entire back. Heads of everybody. Everybody's a chrome dome. I mean, every strength <laughs> coach is bald. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of funny. So I don't know. You call that the you know curse of testosterone, maybe. But um, after a while, you know, you you learn to like that. I think. But anyway, <laughs> that was one of my. Uh, oh, here it is. Baldness cure. <laughs> New technique holds promise for hair growth. Researchers said the procedure tested in mice. Uh, would not just relocate hair as in a transplant, but would increase its amount. It's from the New York Times, uh, October 21st. So people can Google that if they want, if they're interested in that. But it looks like it's a big move forward with that kind of stuff. I don't know. I started shaving my head before I was completely bald, which is maybe why it doesn't bother me. I mean, if I tried to grow up my hair now, it would be bad. You know, <laughs> it would be bad. But anyway, um, that was the one. We had a listener send... Um, a blurb about milk, and I really want to look at that, but I just haven't had a chance yet, but I'll probably get to that uh, next week. But the real news is about your meat, so let's let's get into that. I mean, um, how did things go? Uh, I read some of what you wrote on our Facebook page, but I think this would be uh, informative for listeners, you know, what, what your thoughts are as far as what you did right, what you'd change, that kind of thing. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, yeah. I mean, the meat, I, I put up a little write-up, and I think a lot of people saw it. Um, basically, I tried something a little new this time on myself only. 
Um, my, my other athletes, I didn't. And um, pretty much all of them had an excellent meet. Um, this is the first meet I've walked into that, um, you know, we've talked about meat magic a lot of times on the show and stuff like that. Yep. And normally yep. it's very, I'm definitely a person that, that that happens to. You know, I get in a meat situation and I know I'm going to hit 10% more than normal. I'm hyped up, ready to go. And this is the first meet, I mean, I was catching myself yawning and, and stuff like that. And uh, um, I just wasn't there and I didn't know what to do. Uh, I was trying to force myself to get jacked up, and which didn't work too well. I mean, I was able to do it enough to where I pulled my opener at 700 on deadlift, and I was like, wow, that was way heavier than it should be. And Because uh, that should have been simple after I hit it for an easy three um, in training. And uh, so I went in the back room and got myself jacked up, came out and pulled 750. Um, better than I pulled seven, but it wasn't, I didn't pull it enough to where I knew, I knew 800 was going to be a problem uh, with how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, went ahead and went for eight, and it, it just wasn't there. Um, but uh, basically, normally my peak out is, you know, my last heavy deadlift is probably three weeks out, um, maybe four weeks out. And then my last heavy squat is usually two weeks out. And then uh, and same thing with bench right around there. And then I'll have a week where I'm just hitting – openers and stuff like that, and then go to the meet Yep. after a week's rest. This time, it was about my last heavy deadlift I did about seven weeks out. Um, my last heavy squat was, oh, five weeks out, and same thing with bench. From there on out, it was just working with my opener, you know, just, just hitting my opener. Not And down deadlift, it was lighter than my opener. It was about 80%. Um mm-hmm. The theory being, you know, at, at my, I was seeing how much I could back off to make myself just orthopedically come to a meet feeling really good. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that. I did come into the meet. I've never walked into a meet feeling as good as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, my hips felt good. My knees felt good. My, it, my shoulders, elbows, everything felt great. Um, but I think I just, I hit that peak early is what it was. I think, you know, those weeks that I was in there killing my opener were the weeks I should have been at the meet. Okay, let me ask you this then, and I'm going somewhere with this, but so your final push, I mean, we are talking just um, one or two episodes ago about the slow momentum like a building wave, but your final peaking cycle, how many weeks was that? Uh, it was about 16 weeks. Okay. This time. Normally it's right around 12. Um, I'll tell you, this is what made me think of... of uh, some old research that I had seen, but when you said you just couldn't get into it, you know, um, we've talked about this before, but Dr. Andy Fry, I'd love to get him on the show. He was one of the guys that explained that overtraining is different in power athletes than in endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sympathetic overtraining, and I know you're familiar with this, but um, there is a significant, and I don't remember, I've quoted it before on the show, but it's like a 30 or 40% drop in your adrenaline receptor number, your beta adrenoceptors. And so even though you're flowing the adrenaline all the time in the background, you can't respond. And your, your comments just now made me think that maybe you had pushed past that peak and you were in the burnt part where you just can't respond. Yeah, definitely. I think part of it, I mean, cause I was, a person couldn't safely have drank more monster than I did that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and stuff like that. And I just was not hyped up. 
And um, and like I said, I, I was in training. And then the last couple weeks of training, it was like I wasn't. I was just, I'm over this. I just want the meat here, you know, type of type of feeling. Yeah. And it was like I wish it would have been two weeks ago. And, you know, I was just going in there, hitting my openers, like, yeah, you know, here, we're, we're doing this again. So it got boring. And I didn't come in. I didn't have that excitement build up to the meet. I had been doing these freaking openers for so many weeks in a row. I was like, ah. And, you know, come to the meet, and I just could not. And I, like I said, I mean, my first squat, it was there. And and I killed it. And then it was just gone, and I couldn't get jacked up again. Mm. Um, mm. And I still, you know, essentially, I, on paper, the meat looks worse than it was. Um, I took 6.50 on a second, got on my toes, and just sat in the bottom and had them take it. Because um, if I came up, I was going to fall over. My third, I took it again, and I stood up with it, and uh, I, I took a small step forward. So my foot moved about an inch and a half, mm-hmm. and, and you can't do that. So, um, you know, in the gym, that would have counted as a lift, because I actually picked up the freaking weight, but I didn't keep my feet. So in a meet, of course, that doesn't work. Yeah. So there's yeah. 50 pounds off my total right there. Um, my second bench was 350, and, I mean, it literally was, it looked like an over. You know, I came down and paused it like an extra three seconds, and just boom, locked, hit it to lock out. I walked away because I'm still rehabbing my shoulder, and I didn't want to do anything stupid. Mm-hmm. So I probably left another 50 pounds on the table there. And then... Uh, and I'm going to take the, you know, hitting 750 on a day like I did, on a day that I feel like crap, that I can just will myself to pick up 750, I'm happy with that. So Yeah. No, so uh, your numbers sound pretty good to me, though. I mean, you did 350, yeah, I mean, 600, and 750, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they weren't horrible, but they weren't what I was hoping for. I mean, I was looking for at least an 1,800 pound Yeah. So, and yeah. I had 17. Um so. What about previous um, total PR? Is this a, like a PR for total or no? Yeah, uh, it might be. I'd have to go back and look. Um, if it is, it's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely, it's the biggest squat. Uh, well, it ties my biggest squat. Um, and the 650 would have been a 50-pound meat PR squat. It's just real recently that I got past that hip issue. You know, it's still there. I've learned how to deal with it. And I, I honestly believe that a 700 is there. Um it's just coming in on the right day and feeling right. You know, I did not, I have never felt like this in the meet, and that's hard to explain. Yeah. You know what? Uh, one of your, I don't know if it was one of your uh, coaches or if it was somebody uh, just making a comment, but I saw a comment on our Facebook page that I thought was really good, and I hear this in bodybuilding a lot, which is, it's that was your best on that day. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said something oh, along those lines, you know, nice job. That was what you could do on that day. You know, it's, yeah. it's not. And I um, didn't see the meat mad. I wasn't mad there or anything. It was just like, man, I gave what I had. That's all I could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Um, I, I pulled and dragged myself up as much as I could. And that's, you know, that's all I could I could muster on that day. You know, um, and I, I firmly believe I think it was a peaking issue. I think what I tried. um it didn't work. Yeah. You know, I yeah. need to go back to what I was doing before that I know worked, but I think it was worth a shot because I don't know unless I try. I might, you know, as far as I knew, I was going to come in and do even better than I ever have in a meet because I felt that. Right. You know, right. like I said, I've never walked into a meet with my hip and knees and, and elbows and stuff feeling as good as they did. So, and that was the whole theory behind it. Come in as healthy as I can. Um, and I, by doing that, I lost, I, I think I just peaked her. Like you said, it could be an receptor thing. Because, you know, I was hyped up in the gym. Um, and, and normally, that is something that happens, I think. I know after a meet, there's that big crash. And uh, 
because you are jacked up and you've been jacked up for so many weeks straight. Um, and it all peaks on that one freaking day. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and that's how I felt the day that I, I pulled that 700 triple. And it was like, in hindsight, I'd have wish I'd have just went in and pulled eight that day. Now, now that I know I didn't do it at the meet, because I know I was good for eight that day. Oh, right. I hit yeah. three and it felt like 700 for five. I could have hit it for five. So, um, well, it almost makes you wish sometimes, like, if they could only take a snapshot of people in in their training, you know, or, like, yeah. instead of a single day, like, watch someone over the course of, I don't know, two weeks, yeah. and then, I mean, because that would actually be a, a more valid marker of how strong you are. Yeah, but, I mean, then it wouldn't be a meet. No, I hear you. Uh, that's what's tough about a meet. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to do it on that single day at that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what, what can you pull out with everybody else? I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the Olympics. You know, it's one day every four years. you got to ride up for that for that day. The make-or-break so, nature of it is part of the fun, in a way. Yeah, it is. And, and also, I mean, if I'd have pulled 800 that day in the gym, it wouldn't have been worth it as much as pulling 800 in the meet because of not only that reason, doing it on that one sim- single day, but doing it after you squatted three maximal squats compared to I just deadlifted that day. There's a big difference yeah, in between yeah. doing a, that last lift, you know, your ninth lift after eight other maximal lifts, you know. Um, so that's a that's a big deal. But um, no, yeah, I hear you. You know, I'm, I'm I'm happy with the meet. I'm I'm stoked for my lifters. They, you know, the the few we had there uh, did awesome. So I mean, my wife came back for her first meet in a long time and hit some PRs. Um, oh, good. We had a first a couple few uh, first time meat lifters and uh one of my girls hit a three fifty squat one seventy bench three eighty five deadlift just barely missed four oh five um yeah so it was a good day how far did you travel again St. Louis four and a half hours okay not bad but I left early we left meat was Saturday I left Thursday yeah morning so I was down there in plenty of time to hang out sit in the hotel room my wife hates that she just goes out and plays because I'm she's like on meet before meet days you don't do anything I'm like nope she knows it which is and she's cool with it I think it's a good tip you know to get where you're going uh, even if it's not a different time zone but just get where you're going just so you can be there and have that part behind you I don't know oh yeah and not not have to sit in the car and there's nothing worse on my hips and knees and stuff than sitting in a freaking car or airplane Mm. Um, I hear you so (laughs) I haven't Having a day removed from that where I can just stretch out and move around, you know, yep. is a thing. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's go to an early break here. When we come back, we'll talk about the topic, which is um, peaking, because there's a little bit more I wanted to share about that. And, uh, you know, we can just give um, some comparisons. It might be a good idea to talk about specifically what people play with or where they sometimes get a little nutty in the final week or two. Uh, as well. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7. 
on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Rob Fortune Fortney, and I'm here to ask that as the holidays approach and your thoughts turn to giving, you consider your friends here at ironradio.org. Over the past several years, we've heard and read hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. We are here for you. But like any other radio format, we're listener supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you can become a sporting member. Keep your weekly dose of education, experts, and gen talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page or click the donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brother and Sister. Thanks for helping us create a place for better internet programming for all strength and muscle sports and a happy holidays. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we're back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we're talking about um, peaking for strength events and maybe even a little bit with the bodybuilding side, but Phil just did a big meet. And let's start with um, programming. So you said that what you were doing with sort of an extended, I don't know, would you call it an extended light period right before the meet? Um, yeah, I was like, well, not even that. It wasn't really light, but uh, it was, you know, it wasn't super heavy. Um it was, you know, in my opener, which is usually about a triple, something you can triple. So I was just getting used to, you know, really comfortable with my openers, which is something I usually do, but it's usually only a week or two of that instead of five to six weeks of that. Um, 
and you know, like I said, I mean, it was just a theory that I, I figured I'd try because, you know, generally with me at the stage I'm in, I'm strong. Usually, what's keeping me in the gym from hitting lifts is I hurt. You know, yeah. you know, one day it's like, oh man, I'm in a lot of pain, so I need to back off. So the theory behind that was back off a little early, stay as healthy as you can, keep the volume really low. Um, come into this meet as healthy as you can be. And that part worked. I mean, you said you didn't hurt that at all. That part definitely worked. I, I've never walked into a meet feeling better. Yeah. Um, but I think it was that, you know, I hit those those last heavy lifts um, four or five weeks earlier than normal um, and then didn't have that meet. And the weeks I was feeling awesome was about two weeks after those last heavy lifts which is when I'm normally in the meet. Yes. Okay. And then from there on out, it was like, oh, this is getting boring. I had no drive to train. And it was like, okay, I'm going to go in here and hit my opener again, you know, type of thing. And, uh, you know, I literally think I, and like you said, it might have been neurally or, um, or whatnot. You know, I think I, I hit that peak. Yeah. And I, then I passed that peak. And when I got to the meet, that was already gone. Well, one of the things that always blew me away from some of Andy Fry, Dr. Fry's work was that, once you get into that sort of sympathetic overtraining, some of these overtraining syndromes can take like eight weeks to reset. Um, and that just seems like a really long time to me, you know, but it, it's hard to call what you did overtraining because you took off a good long period beforehand. So yeah. I, I'm I'm wrestling with, did you not get enough neural stimulation in those last two weeks? Or maybe, like you said, over the many months you had peaked and, there's just not much you can do about that, and it was lingering, sympathetic over. Yeah, I think I was just on my way back down the valley. You know, it was like, well, there's your shot. You just let it pass. And you know, I was already on my way back down the hill to start up another one. Um, is what it seemed like, and, and I think it was more. I don't know. I mean, like you said, the way it, the way I wasn't able to get jacked up. Um, it it almost seems like it was a, an adrenal thing or something, yeah. but um, yeah, because I mean, even like the caffeine and stuff just wouldn't get me there. I mean, my heart rate was up, of course, but you know, as far as the stimulation part, mental and you know, physical and just feeling on edge. I bet we've had a lot off. of listeners that could probably identify with that. I mean, people who do a pre-workout supplement, you know, caffeine pills, strong yeah. coffee, energy drink, whatever. There are those times where you're drinking it in. Yeah, it might make your heart race. I mean, again, mm-hmm. people, you, you've got beta-1 adrenaline receptors on your heart mostly, not necessarily yeah. the beta-2. Uh, so, you know, there are different types of adrenaline receptors, but it's funny how sometimes you can't get, you can't ignite that, I don't know, that central drive thing. Something yeah. feels like a stimulant, you know, Yeah. but you can't. Yeah, I mean, my heart rate was going and this and that, but I was yawning. And it was like, oh, you know, I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're in a meet, you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't That's there. That's got to be and, frustrating. You know, there's a couple, and, and, you know, I can't blame it on, we had a situation with the music and stuff, so the music wasn't blaring, but I put on my headphones then. And, you know, it was, uh, it just wasn't happening. You know, and, and I've never had a problem with that in a meet. Uh, in the gym situation, yeah, music does very good for me. But usually in a meet, a lot of times you'll have a horrible music situation. They're playing it on some little freaking boom box, and it's in a big hall. And so, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it was a timing issue, and you know, next time I won't let it happen again. Well, the reason I asked about the final push, 
you know, uh-huh. um, was because some of that early work, I remember, uh, gosh, it would have been like 99, I don't know, it was a long time ago, but I was watching some research. It was the first international conference on weightlifting, actually. It was in Lati, Finland, and Hakkinen okay. and those guys, a lot of those Eastern Bloc guys or Finnish guys, uh, I remember there was a presentation there about six weeks to peak strength. Yeah. And I thought, that seems so brief. And that's why I asked you about final push, you know, because they seem to be of the opinion, uh, and they were citing research from across the decades, that that seemed to be the number, you know, like that final six-week ramp up. Yeah. And I don't know if they were, if they just mean like with classic linear periodization, you know, where you just start piling on the weight up, up, up. Um, yeah. And I don't remember the specifics, but I remember thinking what a brief, it seemed like such a brief uh, period. Yeah. I don't know. And, well, I mean, if you look at my training and the way I train my athletes, it, it is about including our deload week. It's probably roughly five to six weeks where we are pushing the heavy load. Mm-hmm. Before that, the... the the you know six weeks or so before that is slowly bringing it up from you know seventy percent to eighty percent eighty percent to eighty five percent you know and then those final weeks are where we're hitting nineties and we're hitting max triples and we're hitting you know you're starting to hit heavy heavy loads in those final few weeks yeah and then a couple yeah. weeks are just hitting ninety percent and then a week off so um, so having yeah, said that now I spend a lot of time in that super heavy heavy zone but your period you did that sort of but you just did that farther out. From the show, I did that farther out, and I extended the period where I'm hitting just heavy opener singles. Mm -hmm. So, Mm. and I I don't know. I think I, you know, an opener is easy, but it's not. It's not like it's light. (laughs) No, understood. Right. So I was hitting pretty damn heavy loads for, you know, quite a few singles for like five weeks so I mean it could have been just too long there you know I mean just you know when you know one of those days I should it should have been that day that I'm okay we're going all out right hey now having said this would you say you were still probably 90 plus percent of what you could have done yeah I mean right we, yeah. this is, we have to keep this in perspective you, you've moved yeah. a lot of weight <laughs> yeah I'm not, yeah exactly and that's why I'm not unhappy yeah you know yeah um, I don't think – I know I was good for better. Um, I just know I was because the numbers I hit in the gym. I mean, for God's sake, I hit, I hit a 605 for five. You know, I was really good for 650 plus. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, – um, and, and like I said, with the deadlift and everything, I'd hit 785 for a triple from mid-chin. And, uh, well, you put such a high uh, bar, you know, on yourself, especially because you identify yourself as a – a meat magic lifter, so I think at, after years of proving that that's kind of how you are, you know, yeah. I think you go into a meet thinking, well, I'm going to surprise myself, you know, in a good way, okay. you know. Yeah, and this is um, uh, this is the second time it's ever happened to me as far as the deadlift, where I knew I knew 800 wouldn't happen when I called it, and I gave it a shot anyways. Well, you said but, yourself in the past that if you have to believe one hundred point zero percent, I knew it wasn't happening. I mean, I tried to psych myself up for it, and it, yeah, I was like, no, it didn't budge. Whereas the last time when I missed it just above my knees, I knew in my head I was making it, even though I'm and I'm not as strong now as I was then. Hell, my squat is one hundred and fifty pounds heavier. Yeah, yeah, than it was when I missed it. Then. 
So, um, yeah. Now, what about um, stupid things? So we talked about stuff like the timing, like if it is six weeks to peak up, you know, we talk about the timing before the actual date and all that sort of thing. But uh, what is that you see people do desperate to, you know, get that uber peak, you know, that where they can exceed themselves? You know, there's a lot of going too heavy, too, too soon or too late. Um, there was one kid at the meet. It was his first meet, and he's warming up, and you see him squatting like 135. And I mean, it's taking him a half an hour to hit depth. And everybody's like, "What's wrong with you?" He came in the night before and figured out his opener. Um, oh, yeah. So just not prepared. <laughs> and, yeah, and things like that. Um, um, guys going in and, and literally maxing out weeks, weeks or two weeks before the meet. You know, and there's no point in that. What you need to save it for the day, because you're going to be beat up from a true max, and you see that a lot early on in lifters. Um, you know, going for maxes and stuff way, way too close to me. Whereas you shouldn't. I don't believe you should be hitting anything over an opener, because anything more than that, you're not. the The, the job of training peaking out is to get you prepared to hit a max. You know, and the biggest part of that is just, it, sure, it's some neural stuff, getting used to heavier weights, moving fast. Um, it's not actually hitting those heavy weights because that's not going to get you recovering. Right. We've had and, some and the big part of that, is just, that kind of echoed that, right? <coughs> yeah, that, right. The biggest, and that, that was the theory behind my going longer on this one because usually the biggest part of the meet, the strength is not gained in those last four or five weeks. It's just realizing that strength and getting recovered to be able to hit those maximum weights. So if you're hitting max weights four weeks, two weeks, three weeks out, you're doing yourself, you're not doing yourself any favors. Um, yeah. Same for the meat. I was just curious about the, the specific, like, um, almost hysteria, you know, that some people do, like, if they're not prepared. Like, from the bodybuilding perspective, I see people do stupid things nutritionally, or oh, they'll do something nutty, like take lots of diuretics to try to get just a little mm-hmm. bit drier, you know, a little bit tighter, oh, yeah. and then they lose all their vascularity and they look like hell, you know. And uh, or sometimes they'll even do that sort of thing when they're actually their body fat level is too high. And just like you said, with the the one guy who probably just didn't prepare and do his homework in advance, it's the same thing with those guys. You know, they're it's like, listen, you're not ripped. You you had to yeah. be ripped two weeks ago. You're not there. You know, so yeah. all this other stuff is not it's not going to help you. You're trying to dehydrate you'll see a lot that. Of that. You know? You'll see a lot of that in the strength sports with people making weight, and they're three days out, and they're way away from making weight, and uh, you know, so they're starving themselves. They're doing freaking cardio and trying to sweat things off, and and then they just zap themselves. Um, you know, people that have no business uh, cutting weight. I mean, I I don't believe in cutting weight for until you're you're an elite level lifter. Okay, you got a reason to cut weight. If you're talking about, you know, the difference in you cutting weight is a record, you know, you got a reason to cut weight. Yeah. If you're going in there and doing your first or second meet and you're probably going to take 10th, what? Why are you cutting anyways? Go in and, you know, do the best you can. You know, because either way, you're not winning. <laughs> so why are you why are you putting that extra stress on your body? Go in there and do as good as you can. I think that sometimes there's that mentality with, you know, guys like well, I can't just go in what I normally weigh. Those guys are monsters. You know, they're coming yeah. down from 30 pounds heavier, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they feel like... Yeah, but it's still, it's like, who cares? The guys at 185 are still going to beat you. 
<laughs> you know, so they're just not going to beat you as bad as the guy that weighs 242. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, go at that point, it's go in and, you know, do as good as you can. Like my last cut, the reason I, the whole reason I did it was I'd never deadlifted 700 at 242. Right. Right. So I cut down to 242, pull 700. So, and I did it. Who was you know, the, the guy we had on? I mean, he was a champion in like half a dozen weight classes. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I, I don't remember who it was. Oh. I think Hatfield had several weight classes, and, um, and I can see people do that doing that over thirty years as they grow, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's astounding to me when you get somebody who bounces around between, you know, two forty two and then super heavyweight, and just they're just yeah. back and forth through the weight classes, you know. And oh, yeah. sometimes it's, it's so they can Burdick. rack it up. Maybe that's their goal, you know. Yeah. Well, Jesse Burdick, we had him on a couple of years ago. Was the one that was going from in one year he was going to try and rank elite in 220 and super. Oh, that must have been it. And, uh, yeah, so within one year, he was cutting down and doing the lightweight class first, and then getting eat his way up, and, and yeah, so that, yeah, that's tough, but, um, I've gotten over the whole cutting thing. It's like, I'm just going in and weighing in. (laughs) Right. I'm over it. And, you know, I actually walked in, and we've got to weigh in at 10 a.m. I tested on the meat scale at 9 and I was a pound heavy, and that was no big deal. I just freaking didn't drink anything, and you know, by the time I got down to my skivvies and stuff, I was right. like, took a drink right. or something. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> like I feel great. So, um, you know, the, this is the heaviest I've stepped into me too by far. But well, in a way, that's a PR too. I mean, you know, yeah, just me holding this weight. Yeah, and and I think that's a big reason my squats up too is that it's not just me getting. You know, vocabulary with my training and knowing what to do for my hip. Um, it's you know, body weight really helped the squat some, and, and I don't know. I I can't say it hurt my deadlift because I still, like I said, I still pulled seven fifty. Yeah, we've had guests. Uh, I think Fred Hatfield was a big proponent, if I remember. But I, we've had more than one guest over the years that there are huge believers that body weight's a massive driver of the squat. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, and that's if you read uh, like John Cook's book, he went from. What was it? He was two one ninety eight lifter or something like that to three oh eight, and he did it over like twelve months, and he literally gained a three out what a five pounds on the bar for every two pounds of body weight or something like that. It was something incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. As he went up, but um, it does for the squat. It definitely makes a big difference, and I you see the opposite in the deadlift sometimes. I don't think I'm at I'm not at a stage. I did have to change my deadlift a little. Um, because of the new weight, but I just dropped my hips about two inches lower, and that, that took a lot of getting used to. It's amazing what a small adjustment like that does, but um, it doesn't feel bad. It, it was just something to get used to, and I don't think it's it's not at a point where it's hindering me. Um, because, like I said, I mean, I pulled 750 on a day that I didn't think I could. Um, so, um, so were you, but, yeah, you put enough belly in, in front of you, and it, it hurts the deadlift. But right. you got that building in front of you in the squat, and it helps because it squishes itself down. Gotcha. Right. Because you got to get down to the bar in the deadlift and get. Yeah, you got to get down and set up right in there, and you're already setting a squat, and you're just squishing all that tissue. Right. Yeah. Right. So. so were you? Um, did you feel scattered at all, like trying to do PRs across all three lifts, kind of, or was that not no, really your goal? Really, I mean, I took. I really looked at the bench after I was done with squat. Um, the bench was my break. 
I was literally just relaxed and, uh, you know, because I knew all I was going to do, at the most, I was going to do 350, mm-hmm. um, which is nothing for me. So, I mean, I went in and hit that. And it was like I didn't even t- take a third, even though people were like, put some weight on the bar. I was like, nope, I'm going to let this shoulder heal up more because the last thing I need to do is have that thing pop four times again mm-hmm. um, and be back to benching the bare barbell like I was freaking five months ago. Um, so, you know, that was a nice break. And then uh, I just couldn't get back up. Like I said, I mean, the only lift that I was, like, super psyched for was that first squat. And, I mean, it. I was like if somebody shoved a rocket at my butt. I took that 600 in, boom, and it was like, well, okay, that was good. Nice. And then nice. it was from there on out, it was it was gone. I was just done. Huh. And I couldn't get myself jacked now, up. Now, I know you've been talking about the 804, the 800-plus deadlift for a long time. Was, yeah. was that... Was that the holy grail for you, or were you equally pumped about a biggest squat ever? No, I was equally pumped about a, a 700 squat. And I, I, like I said, I think it's there. I mean, because I got the 650 on the third. Um, you don't get a fourth. You know? So, um, you know, so I didn't even try it that day. It, was not even, it wasn't worth it. And the way I felt, I mean, walking out 650, and I've never, I've, I mean, the good, I have never put 650 pounds on my back. So to walk it out and have it feel like it did, it didn't feel like anything daunting at all. Um, Good. And even on the one I missed, I was just the second one. I, I, like I said, it was in the, it was just out of the hole that I stopped and had them take it. But it wasn't due to strength. It was that if I stand up, I'm gonna fall over because I'm on my freaking toes. So I'm gonna stop here and let you guys take it. (laughs) It wasn't a. I just got out of position, and. uh, and the third one, I got on my toes a little bit too, not near as much, and I stood up with it and just had to take a small step. So again, I didn't fall over. Um, so that was just a form issue, and I think that for me is just um, I need some time hitting those weights uh, a little bit. I need to spend a little time up there and hitting because I know I'm good for them. I need to get used to it um, before I go and do them. Well, let me ask you this then. Um some of the precursors to your psychology because you said in the morning like you went in you felt you were feeling pretty good mm-hmm. it's just it's like the pilot light was on it just never really fully lit but yeah what would you suggest to some of the listeners about i don't know did you eat something different on the way up to the event or what do you suggest they do with the food and the sleep do they sleep a lot should they not sleep as much because sometimes you know you get restless mind because you're so excited and it's hard to sleep what do you do as far as the, you know, literally the last 48 hours, the eating, the sleeping? I know you said you got to the hotel room and you just kind of try to rest and walk around a little bit. Eat, eat like normal. Um, you know, I don't want people gorging themselves too much. The day before, I think you can. I don't do it at night. Because um, that's usually if you go out and have a huge freaking dinner, then that's going to – a lot of people have problems sleeping after a gigantic dinner. Um because uh, you're just uncomfortable. If you're going to eat huge, do it in the morning, um, you know, the morning before the meat, the, meaning 24 hours prior to the morning of the meat. Okay, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. And then, you know, I really like to have my lifters just veg that day before. Yeah, walk around a little bit, maybe, but just veg because there is a good chance that you're not going to sleep well the night before meat. Um, so rest as much as you can. Um knowing that I might not sleep much time. Um, so then at least you're resting. Because I wonder about that, because in um, bodybuilding it's different because you're strung out. I mean, yeah. like, you've got no body fat, you know, um, you're dehydrated, your heart's pounding, 
and I've often had a hard time sleeping the night before. Yeah. But it, oh. a lot of it's like metabolic kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Because you yeah, you guys are starved and dehydrated. Well, and you're kind of racked on stimulants. You know, um, yeah. like you know, just even if it's just energy drinks and coffee or caffeine, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you've been in this sort of calorie deficit, fat burning mode for so long. But I can't say it's negative either. I mean, a lot of it's like fun anticipation. You want to go kind of go to battle, you know, but yeah. that makes it very hard to actually just close your and eyes and go to sleep. Yeah. I just wondered if that if that was similar, you know. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I, I try and get people to lay off the stimulants and stuff the last week or two. Um, hoping, they, you know, hoping, hoping that they'll work a little better than the day of um, so you're not just so used to it, being strung out all the time. Um Stay hydrated. Uh, you, you see a lot of that. People don't drink enough. Um, and I think that's probably more important than even eating enough. It's drinking enough. Um, so your joints and everything feel good. Because, um, I mean, you, you look at it and a sport is not its not that dependent on, like, being super fueled. Like, people that are peaking for a freaking 100-mile marathon. funny you say that. That's just, just you're reading my mind. Because all this stuff about carving up and all that kind of stuff... We're taking too many pages from these sports nutrition books that are mostly about runners. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, you're doing nine freaking reps. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, I mean, the whole carb up thing, I think it's good, and it, I think it helps us heavier class lifters better because we just get a little more bloated. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, whereas your guys that are light, most of the guys in light classes are damn near ripped. They're not going to blow it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, you, know, I, you know, and the other thing is just, Try not to get too darn excited about the meat because it's going to happen. And if you, you can only be that way so much. And um, you can only run on that edge for so long before that car, before it wants to come down, back down to idle. And if, if you run that way for days and days and days coming up to the meat, you're, you're going to be burnt out. And the same thing the day of, you generally need to relax as much as you can. Um, and when they call your name, it's it's usually going to happen. And that's why I was surprised. You know, they call my name. It's like, wow, I'm not getting jacked up. What the hell's the problem? Because um, usually just hearing your name, the bar's loaded for, you know, John Smith. You're going to be like, ooh, okay, it's my turn. Here we go. Well, you know, I'm about to find a crowd dressed in a freaking singlet and pick something up. Yeah. You yeah. know. Well, that's exactly why I thought when you said you just felt like you couldn't respond. You know, you're slamming the monsters and you're trying to get aggressive and, yeah. You know, when that doesn't happen, that's why I start thinking like the physiologist, like with the Dr. Fry stuff, with the, yeah. you know, if your adrenal receptors are down, how, how, do, you, how well do you respond with no epinephrine receptors? Yeah, and I think, you know, that very well could be the case because I was just amazed. I mean, I went over and told my wife, I said, I don't know what's going on. I've never had this happen before. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've literally never had it happen. I've done a lot of meets. And that's why, I mean, I was just stumped. Well, so and I, you know, you know, I'm in the back room. And I ended up not having a voice because normally I'm a very, very quiet at meets. Okay, yeah. And okay. I'm back there the whole deadlift session, and, I mean, there's people just staring because I'm in the back room yelling at myself and cursing and slamming things around and just try, trying anything I can to get jacked up, which is very unlike me. Because mm-hmm. um, normally I'm throttling myself down. I go do my lift, I'm jacked up for it, and then i got to go throttle down um, because I'm too jacked up, and I need to save that for the next lift. And instead, the whole time I'm back there you know, pacing and screaming and, you know, I got freaking Slayer blasting through my headphones and trying anything I can to get ready. But, right. So. Yeah, I once had a, a martial arts teacher tell me, he's like, you know, Lonnie, when you lift weights, you know, you can be very calm. You don't have to. And I'm thinking, well, sort of, but 
when it comes down to it, it can be very helpful if you need to to sort of yell a little, you know, um, get some of that um, almost sensory input to try to feed the nervous system, you know what I mean, as opposed to being too mellow. Because I remember he was saying, yeah. you know, like uh, he was watching, uh, I don't know who it was, years ago at the uh, at the Olympic Games, and he said, he said, you know, lift the weight because it must be lifted, and it's it can be very zen. And I'm like, no, I'm not sure that's exactly how it works, yeah. you know. No, and you do need. I've seen people over. Do you need to be? Oh God, it's hard to explain. Somebody talked about Ed Cohn being this way, that he was very calm looking until you look in his eyes. Yeah, and you yeah. can tell there's just this extreme freaking fire going on there. You need to be jacked, but you need to control it and vent it. Um, and that's why I generally don't believe in those guys that do like I was doing. You know, yelling and screaming and this and that. It's like, dude, you're wasting so much energy not on the bar. Right. Um, but you were trying to so ignite the fire, you know. So. Yeah, I was trying to get myself going, yeah. And yeah. generally, I'm super quiet. I might say one word before I go lift. Um, but I'm usually holding all that in. And it's like, yes, hold this in, hold it in, use it on the bar, you know. So I'm holding all of it in, and then I let it go when I pick it up, you know. And, uh, but I was just, yeah, I was, and, you know, it's, it is, there's a calmness, but it's like this inferno that's just, uh, you've harnessed Right, it. below the surface, you know, you're, right. You're un- under control of this crazy inferno going inside you that's under the surface. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't get that inferno going, and that's why I was yelling and screaming and smacking stuff around. To hear you talk um, about this, it makes, it makes me think that that's maybe what bothered you the most. I mean, your numbers were actually quite good. You didn't get the meat magic. It is, that is what bothered me. But you, you, you missed the magic, just, and I think, yeah. you know. And that's the biggest fun. That's to me, it's almost the most fun part of the meet. It's just feeling that. I mean, it's like when you. It's the same feeling you get when you're a kid and you think you saw a ghost. You know, the hair stands up on the back of your neck, and you're just. You know, you get the chills, and it's that feeling. It's like it's not here. What what's happening? You, know? you want to exceed yourself. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, go in there, and you know, yeah, you want to, you want to go do something that you your body probably can't even do, but you believe you can. Right. Uh, hey, now, that's not gonna happen since you that. felt great, were you completely off all the ibuprofen or anything, or do you do that in sort of a prophylactic way before you go into a meet? You do it in, in a meet? No, I, yeah, I, 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 I took some ibuprofen and stuff. So, no, I went in and took it, um, especially with my hip, um, just to keep it cooled down. I didn't take any the week of. I took some the day before and the day of. Um, just to make sure my inflammation was down as much as it can be, because um, I mean, as you know, my hip is there's no cartilage in there, so it's a it's a it's a joint that gets inflamed very yeah. easily when yeah. bones start rubbing on bone. So anything I can do to keep it from being being down, but I generally don't feel pain in the meat, um, and that's I think part of the whole freaking adrenaline rush too. Oh, it is. Well, um, have you ever noticed, like, sure. even in training, sometimes, like, I'll look down and, and I'll have black and blue marks around my gut where my belt was. Yeah. And I'm like, did I really yeah. do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I get the same thing. And that's exactly why I stopped where I did on the bench, because in training, the most I touched in the gym was 335, and every time I touched it, it felt easy, but it hurt some. Mm-hmm. And I took 350. I mean, I literally slammed it to lockout, and there was no pain. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. But that's yeah. scary because I didn't feel a thing. So, and it was like, I'm not going any higher than that, even though I was like, a, you know, half of my mind was like, throw 405 on the ball. 
the other half was like, no, because I don't want to blow a shoulder again. So, um, you know, save it for another day when you give yourself some more rehab. Well, that's a good segue. Let me ask you the final question then. Um, when is the other day? So when you get a meet like this, you know, you can always find, and you've said this before, you can find the PR, you know, yeah. in, in what you've been able to accomplish. But how long of a wait? Because one of the things you said a long time ago, which is, it's obvious, but it needs to be said, which is, a peak has to have a valley on either side. So yeah. How long and is I'm the valley? I'm stage now. God, I used, to, I used to compete a lot, as you know. Um, it'll probably be, this meet was a year apart from my last one. It'll probably be about the same. Um, I have some goals that I want to do. It's like, okay, I want to work on my squat more. I want to get my bench fixed. Um, things, and those are the two things I'm going to work on the most. I'm just going to let the deadlift, I'm not going to do anything different because I think it's there. Um, and it'll come up with just regular training. My, my two things I'm going to concentrate on is fixing my shoulder, um, you know, and some mobility things and getting the squat up some more. Um, I need to, I'd like to come in at the same weight but a little leaner. So, and I want most of that to be some leg mass, so I'm really going to be working on some higher rep squats for probably six months. Um, you know, just get some leg mass on these freaking yeah. long, Actually, long so, like that, that makes a good point, that the valley doesn't necessarily mean easy. High rep leg training is not going to be fun. No, no, it's definitely not going to be easy. It's just going to be different stuff, and, you know, go in and have some fun. And I'm also, the good thing is, I mean, people ask me to disappoint. It's like, no, not really, because I love the training coming up here. That's part of me. I love the training probably more than the meat. Yeah. So I don't mind that I'm back to training again. And this is the first meet I've walked away from that I came in. We lifted Saturday. I was back training Tuesday. You know, I went in and squatted 455 for reps. Oh, yeah. And it was like, oh, I yeah. feel good. I wasn't wrecked. Normally I'm just wrecked after meat. Um, well, maybe because you, didn't, because you didn't, didn't exceed yourself, you just are not going to have yeah. that recovery phase. Exactly. So I don't have as bad. I'm taking it easier, but I'm back training normally. I'm like, oof, I'm not getting out of bed this week. Um, so what about ultimate goals? Are you down the road? Do you think you could do a seven squat, eight pull, four bench? Oh yeah, I think beyond that would be ultimate goals. But I mean that. Yeah, I mean I think definitely four bench again. I need to get up to be competitive. I need to be in the fours at least. Yeah. Um, and I've been there. I just need to get back there. Um, and that's all about just healing up the strength there, especially on my left side. Um, the right side that I injured isn't right now. Um, and I think largely that's due to pain. Um, so it's, it's healing that up. And the squat, I mean, yeah, I want to make it to where the next meet I go into, I don't want 700 to be a, a, a third. I want it to be an easy maybe second so, okay. um, type of thing. To where it's for sure, and then the third one is the maybe. You know, I want the 700 to be like the 650, where if I miss it once, I'm going to come back and take it again and get it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, the 800 deadlift, and uh, I'd like to get past that. I mean, my ultimate goal for a long, long time has been 856, and you know, I I'd love, love to get there. I mean, that's one of those weights that I I'd love to say I know I can do it, but. You know, there's only one American that's ever done that in the 275 class, and that was like 30 years ago. So it's not like that's a weight that, that that's the American all-time American record in 275 raw. Okay. So, okay. Um, uh, you know, I can't say that. You know, there'd be a lot of people that have done it if it was one of those loads that anybody could say they could do. I think it's possible. Um, so I'm gonna, I'd love to give it a shot, but you know, I got to get 800 first. So right on. Um, and, you know, I've already got it in my mind at this point. If training's going well 
and I have one of those days, like I did when I pulled that 700 for a triple, that I think I got 800 in me, I'm going to go for it in the gym just to get just to take that. There you push. go. Yeah. So just to prove it to yourself, look, I dominated that. Yeah. There you go. I got it. You know, and uh, exactly. Get some people so, watching. Okay. Get a camera on you, maybe. You know. Yeah. So. And my wife usually is good about, you know, if I'm doing something crazy, she'll, she's got the camera and she's yelling at me. So I just don't, I'm not a big YouTube guy. I don't post it. We go over the training videos and see what I did wrong or see what we Even did good. And if you just use it like um, uh, NCAA athlete, you know, they watch videos of how they did it. They don't, they don't That's exactly post it to YouTube, you know. We rarely put up stuff on YouTube, but I've got film of all my athletes doing stuff in it so we can come back and here, here's what, see, this is why I'm telling you you're doing Type of thing, right? Um, right. I'm just not huge on the YouTube thing, and um, you know, here, cheer for me. Look what I did. It's like, oh well. Well, <laughs> I, I would think most of it, yeah, is people looking for adulation. But then there's the people who can yeah. look at it and say, where can I find fault in what I just did? And that's exactly. It. I'm, I'm, I'm. In years, it's probably more to do with age than anything. I'm beyond the point where I'm looking for somebody to stroke my ego. It's right. like I've, right. I've done it. I'm, I've been doing this a long time. The 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 only drive behind me is personal, uh, behind any of the lifting I do. It's like I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I mean, I'm a, I'm a freaking almost one-legged guy that's putting up pretty damn good numbers. Salty, war scarred veteran. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you know I got nothing to prove. If you guys aren't impressed, and if you don't think I've done enough, then well, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, All right, brother. Well, it's good to at least you know hear the story because I didn't even. I didn't even get to see much except that little, you know, bit on our uh, YouTube, or I'm sorry, our uh, our Facebook page. So yeah, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere that will throw out some videos at some point, but um, we'll see. But, okay, that'll work. Until next week, everybody, train hard, get hyped up, don't drink too many monsters. There you go. <laughs> Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.